the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. The good, the bad, and the Boucherian. And folks, you're listening to the good, the bad, and the Boucherian. It's your boy Billy back at it with another episode. Hope you guys are keeping well, keeping safe amidst the pandemic and things are going well on your side as they are on mine. And my guest today in studio is Mugambi Nandi, a corporate lawyer and a solicitor of the Senior Courts of England and Wales. And today we'll be talking about his life, his journey, where his hard work and his efforts have taken him, where mentorship comes in in all of that. So we'll start with you telling us the story about the boy from Shuka. Then we progressed <laughs> into law. So then? Yeah, so tell us about the boy from Chuka. Tell us about who he is, who <laughs> who he was. Is he still the same boy that he was? No, he's changed a lot. Uh-huh. Tell us about that. So, yeah, no, I wasn't born in Chuka, though my folks are from Chuka. I was... Okay, no, correct that. I was born in Chuka. My folks are from Chuka, but I initially didn't grow up in Chuka because my dad was a policeman. Mm-hmm. So he was all over, mainly Western Kenya, Kericho, Kitale, Sondu, I think. Um, but I then went back to Chuka when I went to primary school. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I was the butt of many boys' jokes because I couldn't speak the local lingua. Uh-huh. Been all over, so speaking Swahili. Um, mm-hmm. But also some interesting things, such as the first day I went to school and I was asked my name and I said Mugambi and I was asked um, your second name, Mugambi who, and I said I think I said mommy or something because uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know my folks' name. I think I, or the question was framed in a way that the answer seemed to be um, mommy, like mommy would be correct. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, that was quite embarrassing. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and I, when I went home, I asked my mom what my second name was <laughs> or whatever it was. But anyway, it was very funny. So no, so, yeah, so question, question. Yeah, so ahead. when you're going to school, yeah, you only knew your first name. Yes, I just knew I was Mugambi, and then my folks were mommy and daddy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so as you can see, I'm not very clever. And that hasn't changed. So I think anyone who says that is always clever, but okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I went through primary school at the place where Chuka University is at the moment. So uh-huh. the school I went to, the primary school I went to is no longer there. And then, but we lived maybe a kilometer or less from, from the school. So I used to walk to school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had only one pair of shoes, uh, which I wore to school sometimes, and other times I didn't wear. Um, mm-hmm the shoes but people didn't wear shoes to school so it wasn't a big deal Um, really yeah 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 please you know we're talking about um early 80s Mm -hmm. and in a rural place Mm -hmm. 
in fact the the current tarmac road from Embu to Meru wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So it was all matope everywhere. But anyway, um <laughs> nothing. It just uh, uh it was normal, so it really wasn't anything you wouldn't even notice that people weren't wearing shoes. But remember again this was in the village, so I'm not too sure it was like that everywhere. And of course, if I'd wanted to wear shoes every day to school, I would have worn them. I was just saying that it was not unusual and walk mm-hmm. barefoot because everybody else was barefoot. Are you part of the privilege to wear shoes? In a way, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Because um, my friends who are the kids of the headmaster also wore shoes, but they also didn't wear shoes sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think when I think about it now, it, 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 it's also quite weird for me. Um, but yes, that's what it was. I, I didn't think about it then, but when I think about it now, especially when I remembered it and I was uh, just about to tell you, I, I, was, I was quite tickled by it. Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't an unusual thing. Obviously now, when I go to shags i see everybody's in shoes so so i guess now if you walk barefoot people would notice mm-hmm. ah, so please fast forward to us the story of the boy his high school life and into university so then it was just um um a normal a normal sort of village life um but there were some things that were different about me. I don't know whether it's because I didn't uh, grown up there in my formative years, but I, I remember things like um, uh, when boys would be playing with, with those balls they used to make with polythene papers. I, would, I wouldn't take part in that. Um, uh, just lie under a tree and and then watch or read or chat with my friends and things like that so 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 there were some things like that and then um i was interested in um drama and music singing um yeah and of course uh, my folks being the presbyterians they were i went to church every sunday um yeah i guess it was just an ordinary life um and of course now when i look back um i i think some of the things that make me who i am today are a result of um those experiences mm-hmm. because when when i when i was old enough to decide what I wanted to become. The first thing I wanted to become was a journalist. And that's because Mutegi Njao, who was then um, either at the Weekly Review or The Nation, was our immediate neighbor. So mm-hmm. it tried to inspire me to see someone I called my uncle, as that's what I did. Uh, since he was friends with my folks. Um, someone I could speak to in mother tongue, being in the papers. That used to, I used to 
think that um, this this must be something I, I should aspire to. And probably that's why I paid attention to English as a language and literature quite a bit. Um, and and I'm talking about reading the Weekly Review and the, the, the Sunday Nation. I remember my dad used to buy me the Sunday Nation. Um, when I was in class four or five, so 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 quite early actually. Mm-hmm. So I used to read whispers, and there used to be something else called Masharubu's World. All those things are not there anymore, but but they they were literally works which were were very interesting to read. So I wanted to become a journalist, and um, then somewhere along the way, I think from seeing lawyers on TV, I liked their gowns and their wigs. Never mind that I, <laughs> once I studied law, I, I really disliked them and I only wore them for my admission. So, so that, that changed um, my initial career ambition and I, and I said, okay, um, I think I shall become a lawyer. And so I focused on the things that make a lawyer, so the social sciences, and I was good, good in them. I struggled with math and or the sciences. So obviously I wasn't going to be a doctor because I wasn't going to get the grades, but also because I couldn't stand the sight of blood and uh, people suffering and things like that. To date, I struggle with that. Um, I, I can't go to see my friends in hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah in terms of career that's that's where my initial thoughts were but when I went to high school and I went to Chuka high school which is not too far from uh, the place maybe four four kilometers I somehow somewhere discovered that there's something called diplomacy and I wanted to become a diplomat Mm-hmm. So, in 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 my exercise books, I used to write journalist, lawyer, diplomat, mm-hmm. and I look at that every so often. And the reason I'm saying that is because I think that that inspired me to work towards becoming that, and I was very resolute about. Um, achieving one of them one of them in a sense I, I guess I achieved the three of them and I'll explain later but um, going back to how I went to Chuka high school I had the grades for going to a national school and I specifically wanted to go to Mangu mm-hmm. But the year I was joining high school, Moy decided there was something called District Focus for Rural Development, which meant that I think it was either 15 or 85%, I can't remember which one, had everything happening within a district, 15% of it had to be local. I think it was 15, not, not 85. Anyway. I forget which which number it was, but that put me in the 15% that wasn't going to go to a national school, but was going to stay within the district. 
And that's why mm-hmm. I called Tupuka Boys, which I had not um, selected as one of my options. And I told my folks I am not going. Mm-hmm. And and they sweet talked me into going. At that time, my uncle was doing his A-levels there, and they said, so small and people are beaten when they go to high school, so better go to a school where your <laughs> uncle is because he'll protect you. And yeah, being the coward I was, I agreed to go to Chuka Boys. I was actually ready to repeat since my folks were not like in a position to do anything about changing the school I was going to go to. So yeah, there I was in Chuka Boys. Um, initially uh, upset and unhappy and 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 uh, yeah, but I I soon got used to it and I uh, I applied myself to it. So yeah, I went through high school and um, by then I didn't know how one becomes a diplomat, uh, but I knew how one becomes a lawyer. I also knew how one becomes a journalist. But my mind at that time was focused on being a lawyer. So when it came to filling in the forms for JAB, Joint Admissions Board, as it was called then, um, I think my choice was law, law, law. And I was not prepared to do anything else. And yeah, so I passed the exams and I got invited to study law. And yeah, and that was... Um, when I first came to Nairobi, uh, I had passed through there. Um, actually, not passed. I had come for for the agricultural shows a couple of times, and and um, on some of the trips we would make to Nakuru, Nyeri. No, no, actually Nakuru and. Well, so whenever I had relatives, we would um, pass through Nairobi. So I had seen Nairobi, I'd been to the agricultural shows, but I'd not lived there until I came to the university. Ah, so two questions. First is, tell us how you finally achieved to at least become a lawyer, a journalist, and a diplomat in your own rights, as well as, you know, they talk about being a jack of all trades. I remember in my previous episode, the guest said that you know the common saying is a jack of all trades but a master of none but the guest said that a jack of all trades and a master of none is probably only for the lazy folk so clearly you are a jack of all trades so tell us how you were able to achieve all that and still excel in all of them in your own right again so tell us a bit about that no i wouldn't say that i ever became a jack of all trades and I, I i said i achieved them in a way because not quite in the sense in which i had initially thought about them the journalist beat is that i used to uh write uh stories actually like news stories for the east african when it was first launched mm-hmm. uh, so i i would go and interview people and i would file a report like a freelance journalist. Mm-hmm. And then much later, I had a column in the Standard on Sunday 
uh, which ran for quite some months, but I I stopped because they were butchering my articles. So that's a sense in which I say, I, I, I say that I achieved the, the, the dream to appear in the papers. So so I really didn't become a journalist, but I, I appeared in the papers. I wrote articles and I wrote news uh, reports a couple of times. Uh, so yeah, in that sense. And then the, the diplomat part, um, not really a, again in the in the sense in which I had thought I would be an ambassador or something like that, or a foreign office worker. Uh, but uh, I did get a job with the East African Development Bank in Kampala, and because the bank is owned by the East African government, um, when you're working in in one of the countries, if you're not working in your home country, you 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 have diplomatic status. So when I worked in Kampala, I had status, and um, yeah, I, I used to drive a CD car, uh, mm -hmm. CD BMW, in in Kampala. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in that sense, but but again, not really um, a diplomat in the in the sense in which I had envisaged it when I was growing up. So the lawyer beat, yeah, when I, when I was at the university, I played ar around a lot. I, I used to read like two weeks before the exams, uh, which was terrible. Um, but I passed, I, I, I passed well. I didn't get a first class, but I, 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 didn't, I didn't embarrass anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's an uncle of mine who many years previously, okay, maybe not too many, but when I when I joined university, who told me that I hope I'm not going to be seeing you crossing the streets carrying those pink files I see lawyers carrying. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I developed an attitude towards litigation because of that. And I, I said I wasn't going to go to court and uh, be crisscrossing streets carrying files. Mm -hmm. so even when I went for pupillage, I focused on other things and not, not, not litigation. So uh, even though I've been an advocate for more than 20 years, I've actually never been to court. Mm, really? Wow. Yeah, and I, of course... Once, once I was in law school and we we did uh, attachment, um, I I didn't like it. I didn't like um, how courts are laid, how the premises are dirty, how I just didn't like the experience. I I, I didn't think I, I I would fit in there. So yeah, I focused on other things. So. My first job after university was in an insurance company. Um, that's what was available to me. Um, and in a sense, I, I guess at that time, um, finding a job wasn't as difficult as it is now. But I didn't like the job in the insurance company and I tried to look in banks and uh, international organizations in NGOs and um, I wasn't getting, but I decided 
while I'm here, I am going to do an MBA. So mm-hmm. at that time, anybody who studied law did a master's in law, LLM, um, naturally, by default. They didn't even have to think about it. But I, I didn't want to do that. I, I wanted to do something that had to do with business. Uh, because I, I, I was wanting to become a commercial lawyer, so I, I, I thought I should understand the business, uh, um, the language business people speak. And and so, yeah, I did my MBA at UON while I was still working at the insurance company. And as soon as I finished, I resigned and I didn't have another job. And I resigned because I didn't want to be branded an insurance lawyer, having worked there for four years. And and I knew this mm-hmm. is not this is in the future I want for myself. So I I left and tarmacked for about three months, and then I got a job at uh, Hamilton, Harrison and Matthews, and that is where I learned commercial law and uh, and. Uh, Peter Waiyaki and Mike Soman and uh, Richard Omela, yeah, and people like that. So I was in HHM for two years, two years plus some months, I think it was. At that time, Uchumi was one of the clients I was handling when I was in the farm. And one day, uh, somebody from there called me and asked me if I would be interested in uh joining them as in-house counsel and of course i jumped at the opportunity and that time it was a blue chip but there were there were cracks only i didn't know there was a problem until i arrived and i met um somebody who was working there who was in management and who became my very good friend and he asked me, Mugambi, are you sure you know what you're doing? Well, how would you come to this place? And mm-hmm. I, I just thought he was being cynical, but it soon became clear to me what he was talking about. Um, but it was, uh, it was an interesting job because I, I interacted with the fairly senior people. Um, and, and I think I built relationships that have lived through uh, since then and some of the people I met when working there became my clients later when I started my law firm. Um, Uchumi was interesting um, in, in terms of the diversity of work but also I was quite young and I was made the company secretary after about one and a half years. At that time, I was barely 30. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was in the papers and all. And of course, being a listed company, the announcements and all. So at that time, I think I was the youngest company secretary in a public uh, listed company. Um, but, but the problems had begun becoming public. Salaries would be late and... Uh, um, there will be negative press and uh, things weren't quite as rosy as uh, I'd hoped they would be. 
So I started job hunting, and I that's how I got the job in Kampala with the East African Development Bank. And I was there for two years, exactly two years actually, because I went in May 2005, I think it was, yeah, and, and, and came back in May 2007 to join Stanvik Bank, uh, which was at that time going through a merger with CFC Bank. And when the merger was completed, I became the group company secretary and uh, head of legal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Career-wise, that's, that's, that, that was the short journey. I think it was a long journey, actually. Though uh, at that time, it didn't feel like it was long. But when I look back now, yeah, it was 16 years of, of that. But um, I think the, the lessons from my career journey were, were mainly around work ethic, mm-hmm. you know, applying oneself fully to a job. Mm-hmm. So in these places, when I resigned, whenever I resigned to take on the next job, I invariably would um, meet resistance from my bosses asking me, are you sure? Why don't you stay? What can we do? And things like that. So I felt valued. But of course, once I I made up my mind and I think I also got bored quite easily. So five years at Stanbeek was quite something. Um, but yeah, so applying oneself. So when you leave people people remember you and people miss you and they wish you didn't leave but also i think job mobility my my pay kept rising because i changed jobs and every time i changed jobs i would move to a higher pay now that's not to say that i would tell people to 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 jump around looking for money it's or, or for higher pay it's got to be strategic you you need to know why you're doing it, where you're going, and what next. And yeah, because if, if you're going to, to jump around jobs because of money, there will be no end to it. And you'll also find an employer who, who you seriously want, but who looks at your record and thinks, okay, this one, this one will disappear with the next best offer. Mm-hmm. So, so I think those are some of the lessons I I picked along along the way. Um, then I think also equipping oneself when you're in a job. So, as an example, when I joined the East African Development Bank, I was made the secretary to the committee that used to approve loans. And it was basically management and project officers who who are bankers and economists. And they would be talking about leverage and gearing and they would be talking about um, EBITDA and I'll be at sea. And yet I'm supposed to be taking minutes of these meetings. Mm-hmm. So I decided to to study um 
and, and so I look for what is it that I can can study that would help me understand the things these guys are talking about. And at that time, ACCA had just launched their diploma in financial management um, because I, I struggled with the idea of doing CPA case and and uh, ACCAs in full, you know, like an accountant. And I was struggling because I, I'm not very strong with numbers. And also I, I didn't want to be a bean counter, but I wanted to understand the language. Mm-hmm. So, so I was lucky that ACC had just launched that and I enrolled and I, and I, and I did the diploma. And I surprised myself by being top candidate in at least two of the subjects. Um, mm-hmm. um, there were six subjects. I, I, was, I, I, I was head, I, I, was, I was leading uh, in two of them. So it was, was a surprise to myself. But that helped me understand um, what the project officers were talking about. And later when I joined the bank, I would understand what the bankers were talking about. And now that I have my own law firm, I understand what my clients are talking about when they are presenting their financials or when there's a merger and we are discussing uh, the consideration and valuation and things like that. So, so I think that also played out well. And um, yeah, so I would say equip yourself if you find the, the skill you do not have for your job and um, there's an opportunity for you to to do it, then you you, you do it. Mm-hmm. I forgot to mention that soon after finishing university and being admitted as an advocate, I also um, enrolled as a certified public secretary. At that time, we were exempt from exams, so that was easy. But it was also um something that came out at the end to be a very useful thing that it was it, it was it was it was good that I did it because that's how I ended up getting the company secretary job in Uchubi at a very young age mm-hmm. and at 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 Tandik. Mm-hmm. Yeah so now you talked about Jack of all trades. No I, I don't think being a jack of all trades is necessarily a good thing. You you should know a bit about most things or about as many things as you possibly can. But you should specialize and people should know you for for something. So you should have a personal brand and the personal brand should be what you're known for so so in the field of law if if someone is thinking about a litigation lawyer they are not likely to think about me but they will quickly think about um my professor they'll think about um they'll think about people like that but when you come to mergers and acquisitions i i don't know um at some point they will think about me uh <laughs> but but the point I'm making is whatever your career is, you need to be known for something. If you're um 
if you're a um, doctor, people need to know that you're the best eye doctor or the best um, internal medicine doctor or, or whatever it is. And if you're an architect, people need to know that you're the best landscape architect mm -hmm. in town. You're the best um, designer when it comes to whatever it is you do. So, so, so I think specializations are important, especially later in life. Of course, when you start off, it is difficult, but you set off on a path and decide what you're going to, to be and, and you build your brand around that thing. Um, there's a young man who works for, for, for my farm and, and I see he writes a lot on uh, intellectual property. And I think he's building himself a brand in that space. And he's, he's um, I think in, in, in not too long, he's going to be a well-known name in, in intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And all he's done is consistently write about it in the papers. Yeah, so, so that's what I do, having a specialization. You don't want to be... Uh, if we're talking about lawyers, to be this lawyer today, you're in the magistrate court, in the afternoon, you're doing a conveyance. Uh, at night, you are advising someone at committee. You don't want to be that kind of lawyer because people aren't going to, to associate you with specific skills and 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 so whereas you might think that you're being uh, clever in being able to to catch uh, to cast your wide and and catch um, as much as possible, you'll actually be losing out because for real serious matters, people go to specialists; they don't go to generalists. Yes. Yeah, and that, that was what I was talking about uh, in the tweet. The other thing I was talking about in the tweet was uh, having a mentor. So in my case, I I was lucky to be mentored by Kamodo Iganjo, um, who, who's a senior lawyer. And so when I thought about doing something, I would, I would, I would sound him out and, uh, and, and he would ask me, have you considered this? And then have you thought about this angle and what if this happens? So he'd help me um, frame the deal in my mind, see the various risks, risks, the various aspects that I probably hadn't considered, give me advice based on, on his experience or experience from others uh, that he would be aware of and that wouldn't be. And and I found that that enriched my decisions and 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 also in a sense made me accountable to him. Um, in that I would then go back to him and tell him, you remember that thing we discussed? This is how it went, and yeah, this is what I'm doing next, and things like that. So 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 th that's that's where I was coming from. But the decision mm -hmm. at the end of the day has to be yours. Your mentor can't make a decision for you. I didn't have um, um, a social 
and a professional mentor. I think Kamodo was like for me uh, all of that combined. But but now my own view about mentorship is that you need different mentors for different things. So if you play sports, whether as a hobby or as a career, and you are taking it seriously, then you're not going to look for Mugambi Nandi to be your mentor on that. <laughs> you need to find Eliud Kipchoge or, or or somebody who knows something about about that area. And if you if you then want to discuss investments, you're not going to look for somebody who hasn't understood investments for themselves to begin with. So you need to, to, to speak to somebody who understands the subject. So of course, I'm not saying that you're going to have 10 mentors, but you need to have a mentor who understands the areas that you're interested in. The serious point I wanted to make is when you are looking for a mentor, look for somebody that you look up to in the area that you need to be mentored in. If you want to be uh, the next MP for wherever you come from, place yourself under the shadows of somebody who understands politics. Let mm -hmm. them be mentor. If you want to be a farmer, don't 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 get a loan or pick your savings and go and buy a plot in Kajan Kajado. Oh, no, no, where do people go? Is it senior? Where do people go and, and grow tomatoes and things? I see a lot of people saying going that way, Mombasa Road. I, I don't know where they end up, but um, so, so don't go and buy pipes and uh, irrigation things and uh, seedlings and things and start growing stuff before you know how it is done. Get somebody who has done it, and even though it's a short mentorship let let somebody who has experience walk through you something that you want to do if it it is big and it is risky if if it's just spending 10 shillings on on, on buying something that's that, that's okay you don't need a mentor for that but if you're going to make an investment or make a career move it's always important to speak to somebody who who understands you, understands the situation, understands the sector, and who can give you advice on what to do and what not to do. I want to ask a question. I saw a tweet the other day that said, you do not choose your mentor, your mentor chooses you. To allude that even though I want Mugambi to be my mentor, and he didn't want to be my mentor and to presently be there for me, then that mentor-mentee relationship can't work. So both parties really have to be as interested, right? So what do you think about that? Does the mentee choose the mentor or does the mentor choose the mentee? I think that's a valid point. But I would say this. I get people writing to me asking me to be their mentor and I say yes. And that's the last I hear from them. Mm -hmm. A lot, a lot. If I go through my mailbox, my inbox, DMs, lots of people asking me 
oh, you inspire me, can you be my mentor? So I say yes. And that's mm-hmm. it. So <laughs> you've got to be ready to be mentored. So you don't ask someone, can you be my mentor? And then and, and then you put it in your CV and then and then go to sleep. So in my case, I, I didn't even discuss with Kamodo that can you be my mentor? We we met a couple of times and I guess we liked each other because the mentor-mentee relationship just evolved and acknowledged, mm-hmm. although it did get acknowledged. Um, but I once called a businessman, um, a wealthy guy in Nairobi, and asked him if he could be my mentor. And he asked what areas I needed to be mentored on. And I said, um, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial skills and um, how to run a business and uh, etc, etc. And so he agreed. And then what would happen is I would, I would call him every so often and meet him over a cup of coffee in his office discuss ideas, things I had read, uh, ask him questions and, and, and uh, things like that. So it would be me leading that, that discussion. So if, if you ask somebody to be a mentor and they say yes, then you've got to be the one to follow up. And mm-hmm. how do you follow up? You call them or text them or meet them tell them I am thinking about doing this um, and I'm thinking about doing it because of one, two, three, and I'm thinking about doing it in this time frame. And they'll give you the idea. They just, it, it's, it's, it's not a formal thing. It's just a conversation. Um, only that you're speaking to somebody who's experienced and, and you're wanting to learn from them. Now, in most cases, people are very, very happy and willing to discuss their experiences. Mm-hmm. So I don't see a mentor refusing to 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 mentor someone. Of course, if you're obtuse, if you're stupid, if you <laughs> don't like you as a person because of the way you carry yourself, then obviously that's not going to to work. Mm-hmm. So so like in my case, if somebody asks me, "Can you be my mentor?" and I say yes, and then we arrange physical meetings and it keeps getting late, I'm not going to be to mentor that person. Mm-hmm. So for me, keeping them is, is, is the first sign of respect, organization, focus, right attitude. So if, if you can't keep time, then of course, I have no business wasting my time with you. Mm-hmm. You've got to be ready to be mentored. You've got to You've got to think for yourself and you've got to go to your mentor, look for him or her actively and raise issues to be discussed. Mm-hmm. So a mentor is not somebody who, hey, Niaje, let's go and have a drink where the mentor is buying. That's not what it is. Yes. Also, when you meet with a mentor, in most cases, there'll be people who have more money than you, so, so they will they will pay for that. But also, you've got to respect their time and and their money. So, if 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 you're going to have a drink, 
um, or, or a coffee with, with the mentor, you're not going to start ordering the most expensive things um, because you've never tasted them before and this is your opportunity. You're not going to do that. You're not going to, to behave um, like somebody who hasn't been to school. So you see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you've got to be ready to be mentored and you've got to... You, you know, one of my biggest frustrations about the things that happen now is how manners, you know, good manners are no longer taken as important. Mm -hmm. But I think they are very important. So if you if you find a mentor, but then you you go to them with your TikTok manners, then it's not going to go very far. <laughs> Speaking of, I've noticed you love punctuality a lot, and you're very time conscious. And I want to ask: Have you always had that? Did it begin while you were still in Kenya? Did it begin? When you went to Wales, and I hear in England, once your if your train is at one or two p.m. and you come at one or three, it's gone. So have you always been that time conscious? Because again, I know as Africans we love using the time, the excuse, African timing. So you'd keep someone waiting for thirty minutes, but the guys that ah, you know, it's African timing, and really, this is a reflection of how prob probably we don't respect other people's time, or probably it's just our culture to keep others waiting. And as well as, clearly, you've been very successful in your career ever since you started out, right? And I know you want to be modest about it, but if you're being honest, you've been very successful. So are there times you've ever struggled with imposter syndrome? Or has it been an easy time all through? Have you ever received, have you ever felt like you're too young to be in such positions such as the Secretary of Uchumi, while people take years to get to that level or have you always believed that you actually have that source to that you actually deserve to be in those positions and it's not actually a mistake so tell me about that thank you i i i think i've been fortunate i i wouldn't say success um, i told you it'd be more because i i not to show any more successes but um the thing about manners maketh man, I, I, I believe that I think everybody should be re, uh, treated with respect. I, I think manners is what makes you respect the environment, is what res makes you respect other people, is what makes you respect yourself. So for mm -hmm. me, good manners is... Uh, is very key in any relationship um, I am in. And if, if I meet someone for the first time and I think they don't have manners, that typically will be the end of it. Um, yeah, and I'm judgmental like that. <laughs> <laughs> but you asked about any failures in my career. I think... I. I I think there have been. Um, one of the things about me is that I, I am very blunt. So I don't sugarcoat things. Mm -hmm. So, and, and you know, human nature, people don't like being told the truth. Mm -hmm. So there's a sense in which I feel maybe some of 
the relationships I've had um, at work have been impacted upon by that. Mm-hmm. So should I drop my standards and 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 should I start sugarcoating things? No, I I don't think it's the right thing to do. Should, could I put things better, differently? Absolutely. And I can assure you, I have tried, I have gone for courses on how to convey a bad message in a nice way and things like that. But I, I think the level of openness that I embrace stands in the way of of me trying to 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 be nice I, I think i don't know i don't know i i i had a boss who who once told me about somebody else and said oh that person has a personality defect and we had a good laugh and i always wondered whether i have a personality defect as well <laughs> but, but but listen i I, I think I can't judge myself as uh, successful or not successful. I think I think there are things I have uh, achieved um, that yeah I look back and think okay um, you actually did this, but on the whole I I think the universe is very big, so there's plenty more that I could have done. I suppose I still have some time to achieve some things. But I think what is success if I don't have an impact? Mm-hmm. So I don't feel I've had the impact that I could have had um, if I had done certain things in more politically involved um in Kenya I struggle with that and and I still hope someday not in politics obviously but I still someday I'm able to to make some, some my small way I consider that I founded a law firm which hopefully will outlive me to be some form of impact um Though socialists won't like it, they'll think it is capitalism speaking. But <laughs> they have created employment and there will be an institution that outlives me. So I think uh, for me is 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 success rather than looking at my bank balance and saying, Oh, I have this money, and or, or looking at a property and saying, Oh, that's my property. I, th- I think for me, success is 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 more about impact than my own gratification. Mm-hmm. I I think I I, I suffer from it. Um, I I underrate myself. I think you do. Until people tell me um, that what you did was great, but even then I don't I I don't see it. You know, but I I think it's something to do with my personality because. Like um, I, the um, the letter admitting me to study law, you know, probably at that time, at the age of 
18 going on to 19 that would have been my biggest biggest piece of news so when everybody else around me was jumping up and down and and and, and all excited uh, for me i didn't see the big deal i wanted to study law i've gotten i didn't see what the big deal was so so in that sense i think i think it could be my personality but i it's not to say that I don't have confidence in myself. I do have confidence in myself, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to, to, to say this, but I, I find I don't, you know, look in the mirror and say, wow, you've achieved much or you can do much and, and things like that. I, I just do what needs to be done and I, and I move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. personally, I also struggle with that. I think I have a lot of imposter syndrome. But doing and looking back at the things I've done, I think I'm trying to start appreciating myself on the things I've done. And I think the imposter syndrome is going away a little bit. But as well, even as you wind up, one last question I want to ask you is, you talked about only the monkeys at the bottom think there are too many monkeys in the forest. And I'd like you to elucidate on that and speak more about that to explain to us what that really means so yeah that was told to us by the then principal of the kenya school of law um mr njage and the reason he said that was because in in the previous two or three years there had been double intakes at the university uh, I, I think I think some years had been skipped, or for whatever reason, the numbers were were like doubled. So, in in my own class, who were hundred and I think sixty or sixty one, um, but previously, the university would admit only about eighty uh, students to study law. So I think in some quarters, people felt there were too many lawyers in town. I don't know what he would say now that we are 20,000. At that time, I think we were um, less than 5,000. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, actually, yeah, no, not less than 5,000 because my own number is 3,000 to, to something. So we were that few, and I'm talking about mid-90s. Mm-hmm. So, so he said that people keep saying that there are too many lawyers. But the only monkeys that complain that there are too many monkeys in the forest are the ones that are at the bottom. Mm -hmm. The trees at the top don't know about this scramble that is happening on the ground. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, for me was profound because it, it, it told me that if I distinguish myself, I will not be that monkey down at the bottom. If I work hard, if I apply myself, I will not be. And I have seen that in in my own career in the sense that if you remember I told you how I did MBA instead of LLM. Mm-hmm. So you see, that's part of it. So lawyers did LLMs. I chose to do 
MBA. I must have been the first or second lawyer in Kenya to do an MBA. Mm-hmm. Because I remember that that comment being made um, uh, by by my professors at at Luakabete. Um, and even in that class, everybody knew me because everybody knew that lawyer who's in this economist, uh, become people, accountants, and 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 people like that. So, so I was thinking differently quite quite early. So, mm-hmm. so 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 you you can say in that sense then I. I did try to distinguish myself and be not that monkey at the bottom of the forest, you know, on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and even studying, uh, doing the diploma in financial management, again, I was upscaling myself. Even the places where I looked for, for jobs, I didn't end up in, in, in some of them. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, get my law degree and then start looking for a job in a law firm, start running around doing conveyancing and going to court. I didn't do that. I, I wanted to do different things. And those different mm-hmm. things at that point were, I guess, not really like thought out clearly and neatly, but they were different. So of course, mm-hmm. looking back, you realize, okay, that actually is what made a difference. But when I was doing it, I probably wasn't thinking about it. So now I can talk about it. But when I was mm-hmm. doing it, I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking that this is what I'm doing. But I was actually setting myself apart. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I went to the ICPSK and got myself enrolled, barely. Actually, less than a year. I think it was six months after getting admitted as an advocate. Many of my classmates didn't do that. Mm-hmm. They could have done it, but they didn't do it. So, so you can see small things which were even available to other people, but I took advantage of them, and that made a difference. Yeah. Because sometimes it might sound like um, one is bragging, but I, I think point for for people like you and others who are trying to um, chart your ways is is that you need to distinguish yourself from everybody else mm. don't do what i see happening in kenya you open a furniture shop on ngong road by the street and the following morning there are 20 years Mm-hmm. Everybody looks at you and thinks, "Oh, the money is in furniture." Mm-hmm. Yeah, do, do something different. Even if you're in the same sector with everybody else, try and find something that distinguishes you. And if you can't find something that distinguishes you, then be the best amongst your group. Yes. If 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 it's 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 um things that require responding to a client be prompt don't keep clients waiting like everybody else does mm-hmm. you know make make yourself stand out 
And mm-hmm. I usually tell those who care to listen that the difference between um, um, an average lawyer and a very good lawyer is actually very, very little effort. What do I mean? If you take mm-hmm. an average lawyer, or if you are an average lawyer, like I assume we all are uh, at, at one point when we are starting off, then you apply just a little more effort than the people around you. What of value you add to yourself? That's why I say the difference between the average lawyer and a good lawyer is very, very little effort, very little additional effort. So you put Mm. on the average lawyer or the average lawyer puts a little effort. The the difference is not not something that can kill you. And part of the reason is just the the way in Kenya because um, sorry to say this, mediocrity, low standards, um, ethics, all those things. They, these problem and people don't want to read. So, so people advise based on what they read twenty years ago, as updated by what they had in the bar last night. Mm-hmm. That, and you just need to spend an hour reading, and you'll be different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean when I say that, yeah, you just need to put um, just a little extra effort and the incremental value, the difference between you and the next person. Big. And, I, and I, I believe that, of course, now if you want to be excellent, excellent, then of course, the more effort you put, the more you distinguish yourself and the more you excel. Mm-hmm. That was the last question. I think I won't echo what you've just said because, as you directly put it, hard work betrays none. I think the proof is always in the pudding. Your work ethic has re- bore fruits for you. You've seen yourself go to places that no ordinary person who does the bare minimum would achieve. And so, even for me, as I do my podcast, as I do my law, I think that's something I'd really want to emulate. As Hard work betrays none. At the end of the day, as long as you put in the effort and the work, then you, they, you, they, there has to be a difference. It has to count for something. So to the listeners, please follow us at The Good, The Bad, and The Busherian on Instagram. Twitter trust at The Busherian Pod on Instagram. On Twitter, tell us what are your thoughts on everything we've talked about in this episode. Have a lovely week ahead. As you guys know, we're still having our fundraiser. to For the podcast, at least take one child to school. So keep sending in your money. Have a lovely week ahead and cheers.